Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen! <laughs> Welcome to NBC IGN's Nintendo Show. I am your host, Casey DeFridis, and today I'm here with Per Schneider. Hey! Tom Marks. Hello! And Brendan Graber. I'm so sorry. Thank you for those wonderful sound effects. If this you're watching is the Andrew Goldfarb's present to me, it and is I a, cherish it deeply. It's a DS treasure chest, right? For DS games? It's Pandora's Open box. Open it again. Okay. Hey! 
Oh, wow. It's, it's dying. It's this is the bootleg I have, I have a little bootleg link. Oh, <laughs> nice. Well, our jingle machine broke, right? Yes. That's our, the point of it. I love our it. Our laptop is not in the room. Oh, I don't okay. think it's been unpacked from E3 yet. Ooh, that's what it is. Okay. Speaking of E3, how is everyone's E3? Good. <sighs> <Tired>. <laughs> that speaks for itself. It was, it was good. It was, it was, this was a tough year mm. because whenever you have a major player absent like PlayStation, it makes everything different for us. So mm-hmm. just from a business perspective, how you plan and monetize this event, what traffic patterns you expect, everything's different. So I hate it. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like it when, when Sony's not there. There wasn't a shortage of things to do, though. There was plenty to do. It, yes. There wasn't, but when the console with the biggest install base isn't there, you know, mm. you know, it can't be good. Yeah, yeah. It, I had fun though. It was yeah. it was a very low key show, like you said. Like even uh, we've talked about this elsewhere, but just walking around the show floor felt empty. The West a lot Hall of the time. was pretty empty, yeah. but there were a lot of energy drinks being given away. Yeah. <laughs> the, so. the West Hall is usually where it's happening, I right? can't say That's West Hall Best Hall anymore. No, no, Nintendo and PlayStation are usually there, and they're ginormous booths, and this time this it year was it was just, just Nintendo. Nintendo. They did a really nice job. I thought Nintendo actually had a, had a surprisingly good showing mm-hmm. yeah. uh, this year. Uh, but also, remember, Xbox is not on the show floor anymore. They have the Microsoft Theater outside, and so it, it felt very decentralized. And so it, wasn't, it, it was definitely one of my less favorite E3s in recent memory. But when I think back, I've been to 22, 23 now, <laughs> 23 E3s. We see this pattern before the launch of a new console generation where it's a little bit light and some of the heavy hitter games are being held back. You know, even the the Halo trailer you got, I mean, it didn't floor me, right? Mm-hmm. I love a new console launching with a new Halo, for example. Yeah, but I, mean, like, was... I didn't I didn't look at the at the presentation going, this is the most amazing thing ever. It was all right. It was just another yeah. cinematic yep. with Master Chief in it. But playing Luigi's Mansion, that's really good. And Yay. we got an announcement for Breath of the Wild 2. We got to see two that was new Smash hotness. DLCs. Yeah. We <laughs> talked about all of that on last episode of NVC and during our post show. You can go check that out on yep. our channel. Um, so we're going to keep talking about a little bit of E3 things, including Fire Emblem. We're also going to talk about Pokemon Sword and Shield controversies, controversies and some... Uh, graphical issues we noticed when playing on the Switch during E3, also some news and rumors like the Switch Mini, and why we're all obsessed with Slay the Spire and our thoughts on Cadence Fire Rule. So stick around for that, but first, let's talk about a game we did not get to talk about during last week's show, which is Fire Emblem, which is why we have Brendan Graber here. We didn't didn't all get to play it, and we didn't all get to say it, that was, uh, see it, that was the issue. Yeah, because I was thinking beforehand, I was like, if this is playable in the show floor, it's going to be very weird because a slow turn-based strategy does not demo well, No, Uh, but they had like a behind-the-closed-doors interview appointments to play it, Um, so I got to play for about an hour. Yeah, nice. most of it was being shown to me, and then the last half I got to play for. Lucky. Um, yeah, it was really, it was really nice. And as a Fire Emblem fan, I was hesitant, a bit skeptical of the whole uh, uh-huh. Hogwarts element to <laughs> uh, Fire Emblem Three Cheese Pizza, as I like to call it. Oh uh-huh. no! Um, but I walked away going, "Wow, there's." Probably has the most depth of any firearm game ever, and that's even without children. So you you scared me a little bit though. When you f- came from that appointment, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm for people who are new to the show. I've played every single Fire Emblem game in the series. I have Thracia. I played Gaiden in Japanese. All of that before it was remade, and love that series. Mm-hmm. But I love the turn based strategy and combat. Mm-hmm. I sometimes get a little annoyed with the stuff surrounding it. Right, like right. don't make me plant. A little tree and water it. Like, that, that sort of. That, that's why I'm worried about. It. And so when you came back, you said 
the stuff outside of the battles is like the most complex and deep and evolved in the series. I was a little worried. Yeah, I'm a little worried. I think that it, interests it, me. Yeah, see, would, Casey is now all in. <laughs> there are plenty of people, and I understand with who just mm-hmm. want to go. I want to go in the battles. Yeah, and the thing that they impressed upon me in this demo was that all of the time in the schools, which I think takes about, we don't know for certain. I want to say like maybe a third of the game, maybe less okay. than that, before the five year jump to everything's gone wrong. Let's all fight each other. Oh, no. <laughs> Everything in that school part yeah. can be automated. Okay, you can literally press a skip button. And either from a week to week basis or for a lessons plan or for whatever, and it will just choose for you. Yeah. It'll okay. say, okay, I'm going to teach X and Y to Z to this guy. I will talk with these characters and build their supports up. I will train him to be a soldier and him to be a cavalier. You have a new, you have no input in it. You just goes along as it would. Or if you're like, hey, I really want to make sure that one of these characters gets to be a Pegasus Knight, then you go into your lectures and go, hey, you should really focus on these skills pass your certification test so you can become that class. Yeah. They had to actually pass exams, which Thomas is laughing. You just got to be the so best silly. teacher. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And it's funny because like they have a percentage chance to pass that test. So if you really make sure, they'll have 100% chance. But otherwise, it's a gamble. And you only have so much time in like these kind of months to allocate resources to who to train and what to do. It, it See, I'm super like into Persona. persona. Yeah, it yeah. does there's, sound a little bit like Persona. Yeah. persona. And everything's voiced. It's also oh. dual audio, so you can have Japanese language or English or subtitles, however you want that. And so you can actually meet with people, like have lunch with certain students to increase their support rating. And if they're more motivated, they'll learn better. Or you can just go skip, do it uh. for me. Um, so I think that part is pretty interesting because it really lets you choose how your kind of team evolves. And then at the end of every week in the game, it's like a very quick like. I just scroll through the days and it's like, yeah. okay, this is a seminar, blah, 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 birthday. Okay, now you're at the weekend. And the weekend, they give you a choice of like four things to do. You can either explore in third person the entire academy and monastery, talk to people, do side quests, do in like activities. You can give an advanced like seminar to do more training or you can just battle. Okay. If you're like, hey, I want more battles. Yeah. You can just do a free battle with your team. And then at the, every month, there's like a quest. So it's like, hey, by the end of this month, we want you to train up your students to do this quest. Okay. So then every month you have to do a specific mission, and that goes on for who knows how long. And then there's that point where there's a five-year gap, and then whatever house you're with is now fighting against the other houses. And so that's you- when it just goes all into battle. No more school. School's out. No more studying. It's time for the real deal. And okay. does this cycle back and forth, or is it just one school cycle, one battle cycle? The demo I played was just early on. Okay. It was just like it was like a couple weeks, and then we skipped to a battle that was in that uh, part of the school year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I didn't get to see what was happening afterwards or and the story. You'll potentially fight your own students if you haven't. Not your students. So when you first enter the, okay. the academy, you pick one of the three houses to teach for, and you basically train up those students in that mm-hmm. house. But on the weekends, you can explore and talk to the other members of the houses and students. And... Um, uh, the triage rep said, actually, if you're in the um, uh, Blue Deer, I think the Stags, if you're in one house, yeah, you, but you really yeah. like <laughs> the uh, uh, the other, like the Golden Eagles, I, I'm messing up the names, if you like one unit from that other house, and you're like, oh, I really like that character, he looks pretty cool, you can talk to them and kind of impress them with your own stats as you mm-hmm. level up, and you get the chance to recruit them to your side, Ooh. so that when the five-year shift happens, 
they'll join your team and you don't have to kill them. So you're Got a Slytherin. So do you think Basically. the rec- like in in past games, you know, some of the recruitment happened in in missions like you find a character and you mm-hmm. send the right person to talk to them and they may join your your cause do you think that's mostly done outside of the battle I think no, some I mean, of it can't will. Tell you, I don't right? know if all of it will it. because uh, they did say like just like the uh, the other teaching stuff like you don't have all the time in the world you can't recruit everybody Got it. from their house especially like the leaders of the houses you can't recruit them yeah. so there will be some I'm assuming that you'll be able to recruit like, but not all of convert them convert enemies yeah and, and then maybe some you'll actually find five years later and be able to recruit cool. them that way so my other my other question for you was I'm you know, I I I love I love a snappy interface. Uh-huh. That's why I love kind of classic two D Advance War stuff. Uh, or Wargroove did did this really well. I like I like that more over the the three D field stuff. How did the battles feel? Did it feel like clear grid based combat? It felt like you knew where to move, how far to move, and it was fast and snappy. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of thrown in the middle of it, but yep. still, uh, there was a lot of nice little tweaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now they have like the battalions that follow your guys into battle. But when you're zoomed out, you just see the characters. So you have like the zoomed out grid view. It still shows you how many spaces, where the enemy are, yep, what their yep. range is. There's a new little thing where if you're in range, you'll see little red lines come. Oh, yeah, enemies, I saw that. And that's the who they're going to probably target. So you'll know, oh, they're looking at my healer right now. I need to get someone great. in front of them, which is a really nice addition. And then once you go into battle, then it zooms in. You see where you are on the map. The battalions come with you. And you can actually look that way while you're preparing units. You can like zoom in to see from that menu and like yeah. – Pick a character and then run around like it's like XCOM or something. Uh-huh. Or but I didn't like that. It was kind of like a little janky and shaky, yeah. the camera. So I think zooming out is probably the way to go. Okay. But it did feel it was very snappy and I liked how the UI felt and the like the battle, pre battle report of like uh, you have so many combat arts or uh, battalion gambits to use. And it'll show you, okay, this will deal this much damage. This one uh, will like stun the enemy or poison them or taunt them. There's also giant monsters now. Hmm. Uh, which take up like four spaces. Okay. Cool. Well, that's and they new. have multiple health bars. Oh. Oh wow. So you so, can't. Okay. You can't one shot them. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like Sekiro, where it's like you, you uh, knock down their life bar, yep. and then another life bar appears Got the it. next turn. Wow. So that seems like it's pretty in depth, and there'll be some pretty fun missions if that's any indication. I hope. Yeah. Because I've always liked complex map battles and objectives, and I think in the Treehouse Direct they showed uh, one battle where uh, there was some escaping merchants. And there was a drawbridge that stopped. You had to get to the drawbridge, lower it for them, help mm-hmm. them escape before taking on the bandits. So nice. I do like more complex objectives and just kill everybody yeah. and that's it. Dude, I'm super on board for yeah. everything you're talking about I right am now. <laughs> it, I, it does seem like I really want to be excited for this. And You said you want to be. Does that mean you aren't? No, I am. And I, okay. I, I mean, like, I didn't like Fates as much. With Did you the, like Shadows of Valentia? Did you? Yes. But, okay, good. Um, but, like, you know, Fates with the story, I was kind of like, eh, this is kind of a little one-sided. And, like, okay, bad guy, obvious bad guy yeah. version or the good guy version. And some of the maps seemed a little bit simplistic. This seems a little like they're going really in-depth on in how you want to do this and how the uh, objectives will pan out. I'm hoping that's a good sign of things to come. Mm-hmm. And also the music's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I was, well, it's, always. It's unlike the other tracks. It's, it's really? very catchy and, like, faster-paced. So I'm on board with that. Yeah. Nice. I have a very important question. Sure. So you said there are no more babies. Yes, thank God. Are there? Is there dating? Yes. Can What's you date students? I think you can build up a support and then <laughs> date them after the five-year gap. I don't, okay, okay. I heard some, I didn't get to confirm it, but I heard from some sources that, like, yeah, there is still dating and support. And there's actually two modes. There's the supports you get during your class time, and then there's extra supports you get five years later. Okay. So that's... 
double the supports. Can you throw magical college ragers? You can throw birthday parties. <laughs> what? Yes. So, yes. So, confirmed. <laughs> but it's like a magical tea party rager. Oh. Will you will you play permanent? <laughs> Sounds so cute. Yeah, I always do. But then there yeah, is that too. little the They got the cheat. The, the mealless time wheel is now called something else that let, pulse or something. The let me take this back. Yeah, the corrector. Oh. <laughs> but you only get like two or three of them yeah. in a match. I look you know, as a player, you have the choice whether you want to use crutches like that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, hopefully you're strong enough to resist the urge if you if you want to be a purist and play this game like you used to. But I can tell you, like, in some strategy games, after you spend an hour and a half on a mission only to make one tiny little mistake. Like, sometimes I make a mistake where I move a unit. I'm like, oh, no, no, that's not what I wanted. And then it's I do over. That all the time. Yeah. And, yeah. and your guy is dead. I remember in Radiant yeah. Dawn, I did that so many times <sighs> in one of the chapters of, like, a defense mission, like the last turn. Yeah. Alencia gets killed. I'm like, oh. yeah. there goes the entire chapter. I got it all over again. Well, yeah. that's why I like having the option to turn that the permadeath on and off because what I usually do is turn it off oh. and then always restart if someone dies. Oh, so I basically no. treat it like permadeath's on and and kind of behave like it is. But then if I get into one of those situations where I'm an hour and a half into a mission and I just really don't want to restart it, then sometimes I'll give myself that little get out of jail free card. I always yeah. leave it on. When I always I leave it on, but if I lose somebody, I restart. Well, I like <laughs> I like permadeath way more. Yeah. I really do like playing that way more. Yeah. It's just that I, I like also not being completely locked into yeah. that. Yeah, you don't want to ruin the game for yourself because of mistakes. That's the yeah. worst thing. And, like, yeah. And I, we're going to talk about this later, but I was playing Slay the Spire, and I accidentally skipped a screen to pick up a really important reward, and I like didn't even want to play anymore. I was uh. like, oh no! But you, I could reload my save and get it, so everything was fine. But well, like, just that one mistake made me not want to play. I, I feel like Permadeath defines the Fire Emblem series because oh, so, we used yeah. to have Advanced Wars and Fire Emblem running concurrently, right? And Advanced Wars, the units were expandable. You build new ones and you send them out, and you can you can play a game of chess where you sacrifice your you know you, yeah. you can sacrifice your queen to win essentially um, because you'll get a new queen the next match and. Um, I always felt Fire Emblem was different. And I really valued that. Now, granted, we don't have that dual setup anymore, right? Like Fire Emblem now has to double as the more casual, simpler, maybe, I don't want to say easier. Some of the Advanced Wars missions could, could be really hard yeah. too. But like that, Less I, I, want them, I want them to still have that care for the characters, which is if you play at XCOM, for example, and you name your troops, you feel responsible for them, right? And so if I have a Tom Marks on my team, I want Tom Marks to be okay. <laughs> and so when Tom Marks gets shot by by a, a gray man, I, I restart. I'm having Darkest Dungeon yeah. flashbacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My character's like, Dar- I shouldn't do that. Darkest Dungeons, I got to this point where I'm like, everybody dies. Everybody well, dies. Fine. Darkest Dungeon yeah. is, and this you is getting off topic, go. but Darkest yeah. Dungeon is XCOM, but the opposite, where XCOM is you want to protect all yep. your dudes. Darkest Dungeon is uh, Evan Lottie, my old boss of PC Gamer, <laughs> used to describe it as your characters are batteries. Yeah. You use them up and throw yeah. them away. <laughs> I, I have a really hard time playing that game, as you can imagine. Yeah, yeah it makes me mad. Uh, like, no. one, one thing I wanted to quickly point out that I thought was blew my mind, I noticed as a small detail, when I was in the battlefield, picking the, the battalions and having my cavalry guy move out. And then turn, I noticed in the options it said, dismount. So Ooh. your mounted units can get off their horses. They have that before. Or yeah. Pegasus yeah. anytime. And that can change how they affect the battlefield. So yes. if you know there's archers, get off your Pegasus. Yeah, we've had that in the past. That's I love that feature. I think that's so cool. That's awesome. So yeah. pretty primary ver- verdict is that you played it. It's awesome. You want to play it. I want to play more. I awesome. Right. Yeah. So now that we've gotten to talk about another big game along with the other games you got to talk about last week, 
I want to talk about some of these smaller games from E3 that we haven't gotten to talk about because last babies. week's episode... Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> okay, we talked about Luigi's Mansion. Uh, we talked about Luigi for like ten minutes. But I just, if I'm permitted, just fifteen seconds. Okay. I wasn't that huge of a fan of the last one, and I really liked this. I really enjoyed this demo at E3 because it's more Lost Vikings like. No. It that Luigi has. It just makes oh, for more interesting puzzles. I've been waiting for someone to say Lost Vikings for a long time now. And you can yeah. also Thank play you, Pear. No, it's just it's just great how you can split up and one guy triggers a switch here, the other guy is up there. I hope they build on that concept and it gets more and more complex. But what I played was just wonderful and they did such a nice job. The graphics mm-hmm. look really good. Mm-hmm. The environments are really varied. Like they basically said, This hotel is just crazy. Don't worry about it. You know? <laughs> and like it, it has everything in it. It Every just single looks floor really is a good. Different theme. Yeah. 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 Anyway. That was, was my. Definitely impressed with I that. I considered that to be a small game, but now I'm no, actually you, it's it's right at the top of my list. Too. Luigi's a big boy now. Yeah, yeah. it's a big boy. Good, very, good job, Luigi. Very much looking forward to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so, what about some smaller games that weren't, uh, you know, Zelda, Luigi, Fire Emblem, or Pokemon that we heard about, or Smash that we heard about, or were able to play at E3 that we haven't talked about yet? I didn't. I don't. I th- can guess what Tom's gonna say. Can you guys guess? Well, can I already you talked guess? about it last week. You did talk about oh, it. You did. Hollow Knight. Very lightly. Hollow Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't talk about Hollow Knight. Hollow well, Knight. You like Hollow Knight? Yeah. Oh, he did. No, he's already, right. We did talk about it last week. I did week. talk about Silk Song last week because it is a big game and everyone should play it. But <laughs> um, a game I will mention because if you want to hear me ramble about Hollow Knight, just like listen to me literally anytime ever. Um, is I got to play a game called Chris Tales. C R I S Space Tales. What's um, Chris? It, it's like it's a pun on crystals, I think, because oh. uh, these time it. crystals in it, and uh. then also your name is uh, Chris C- Chris Bell, I think is your oh, name. I see. And okay. then one of your partner's names is like Christopher or Christoph, I think. It's a lot of Chris stuff. Yep. Anyway, um, Chris Tales is really cool. It's like a two D or it's three D, but that kind of Paper Mario thing where all the characters and the backgrounds are two D, and you're walking through a three D world um, from a, a fixed perspective, uh, and it's a JR, or kind of an homage to JRPGs like that, mm-hmm. um, and it's got this weird, cool time bending mechanic where the screen is actually split into a, three triangles the entire time, and the center of the screen where your character is is the present. To the left side of the screen is the past, and the right is the future. And so, as you walk through, you can see every environment around you moving through time as you walk, which is really cool. Uh, And then you can use that in combat where enemies will be on the right and left side of you. And if they're on the right side of you, you can send them into the future. So like the boss Mm. fight I did had – the boss had this like impenetrable metal shield and I had to use water magic on it to make it wet and then send them into the future where it was rusty and then it wasn't working anymore. That's kind of wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's like – it's it's got some rough edges still. Who's making this? Uh, Modus Games is the publisher I Mm -hmm. know. I don't – know who is specifically cool. developing it but um yeah it's 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 got some rough edges still i think it's still early on it's not going to come out until 2020 but it is just it's just really cool it's like a very weird unique neat game and it takes a lot of inspiration from like paper mario and persona in its ui a little bit it's just a very stylish neat game i, I wrote up a preview if you want to hear more oh, about nice. that too oh that's right yeah i did see that mm-hmm. yeah now that i see the artwork for it um that looked really nice, and yeah. our audience reacted really positively to one, that. One so to keep an really eye on, that's yeah. for sure. Yep. Awesome. Brendan, what about you? Uh, well, aside from Hollow Knight as well, which I 
made time to go see on the oh, show nice. floor because I liked it so much. I also played two other Kickstarted games. I guess Silk so, so, so Song, so Song wasn't Kickstarted. Kind of. <laughs> it was a stretch goal for the first True. game. True. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if you saw the uh, Microsoft conference, you may have seen a little small game called Spiritfarer, which is like Animal Crossing, but all your friends are dead. Uh, cool. In the best possible way. Uh, you're cool, like a cool. ferryman for spirits who are passing over, and they all come aboard your boat, and you build a little home for them. You attend to their needs. You learn about their stories. You do tasks for them. You do fishing. You can like build a little uh, orchard on your boat, and you kind of help them get ready to make that next step into the beyond. And every character you make, you can give a big old hug to. Aww. And I love it. That sounds so nice. It is a very sweet and heartwarming and a little bit, you know, bittersweet game because you have to say goodbye at the end. Like, but I felt like, and I wrote a preview about this. Like, how many times in Animal Crossing have you just wanted to give the villagers a hug? You're just mm-hmm. like, you know, you've been with you so much, Bob the cat. We've been through some cool stuff together. I'll, I'm gonna send you a letter. You won't be able to read it because you don't really understand English. But <laughs> I wish I could just give you a hug. And this is this game lets you do that. And kind of really invests you into the personalities and stories of each character you meet. And I think that's a really cool way to like have that kind of Animal Crossing sim or like the, uh, uh, what are the games I've done this? I'm blanking on that name. Stardew? Stardew Valley, yes. (laughs) You did it. Thank you. Um, Oh, that little thing. That little little gem. Um, top 10 seller and it's for got like this a year. gorgeous hand-drawn art style <laughs> yeah. like the the character you play Estella she has she's like just bouncing with personality she like grins when like she does a job you can actually platform around the ferry that you build mm. and when I went to go build a home for uh, like when a new little villager person that came on uh, they gave me a map of the ship and as I'm placing the um, the building there all like the uh, roofs are like smalling flattening or shifting mm depending on where I put things. Then if I put it in the very top corner, there's these giant ladders I can go up and then platform off and fly down with my hat and then like skate off the side of a <laughs> sloped rooftop and do like a jump and like do a double jump onto like a windowsill. Like it's a pretty cool way to get around. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. It's very cute. And I definitely recommend looking into it. I can't wait to play that. The other game I played was uh, the opposite tonal shift yeah. uh, right before E3 was a game called Blasphemous. And it's also been kickstarted for all platforms coming out, I think, next year, hopefully at some point. And it is like a side-scrolling Castlevania Dark Souls, bloody as you can get. Mm. Lots of crazy over-the-top religious iconography. Um, lots of crazy bloody executions, but with this... <laughs> Wonderful. Still a gorgeous pixel art game. And it's like little cutscenes remind me of like a LucasArts adventure game, which I really dig. And I just love how... Um, it really ties into the lore of its own game that it tries to build up. There's a lot of games that like they try and be like Dark Souls, like, oh, we're the Dark Souls of X, and we're a side-scrolling, tough-as-nails game. Like, yeah, that's great. But what made Dark Souls so great to me was the story that unfolds if you choose to explore it and how every piece of item, everything you go to, has that lore hidden. And Blasphemous actually has every item you find has like this whole lore page. Like it gives you like random backstories Hmm. about like the church and how they like, you know, the gospel of this grievous miracle that made everyone go crazy. It's like, I want to learn more about this game. And I love what they're showing me so far. Nice. What about you, Perry? I didn't get to play uh, the the two games that I want to highlight. I didn't get to play them at E3, sadly. And I don't think anybody got to play Panzer Dragoon, which was shown... Uh, in the Nintendo, Nintendo Direct, Direct obviously. Um, 
you know this if if you uh if you owned a saturn you you would have owned this game it's basically sega's version of star fox just uh on the backs of giant flying dragons they you know this series spun off into rpgs with saga but the core series was an on-rail shooter so you're flying around on the screen as the screen relentlessly moves you forward kind of the modern 3d take on the shmup mm-hmm. and then uh, uh that's it's a horrible word shmup yeah Shmoop. no i agree yeah. shoot him up uh but yeah it, it's very much like uh, star fox with kind of locking on and strategic combat like firing on on uh, batches and, and groups of enemies and uh uh, just seeing the, you know, we don't know a lot about it. It looks yeah. like it is it's a direct meant, remake yeah. of the original from Which 1995. An, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, curious to see how this uh, comes across. Hope it runs super smooth at, at, at 60. I think we haven't seen a game like that in a while. So that's good. Hmm. The other one is the uh, is the Mana Collection, the collection of Mana, which is already out. Mm-hmm. So you can buy it now. And uh, I would. Um, it's three games, you know, uh, Seiken Densetsu means Legend of the Holy Sword, literally translated. But when the first game on the Game Boy came to the US, it was actually taken the subtitle, um, the Final Fantasy name, and was released here under, under that title. And then when we got Seiken Densetsu 2, what I think is the best game in the series, it came here as Secret of Mana. And what's unique about this game is it is a mixture between a classic RPG, the pedigree of the designers, Final Fantasy team members on it from Square, really, really great team, amazing music, great graphics for the time. Uh, that one came out in 93, the, the, the second one. Um, but it was a three-player co-op action-adventure RPG, so action RPG. So like a Legend of Zelda with stats and leveling, the combat not quite as responsive as a Zelda, a little bit more like modern kind of Western RPGs, like a, like a Elder Scrolls, but you know, a little, little better. But the moment you unlocked your party, you could have a second player press start on the Super NES controller or a third one with a multi-tap. And then the coolest thing about this, it actually brings Seiken Densetsu 3, the third game in the series, to the U.S. for the first time as Trials of Mana. And that is a really great game that we never got in the West. Came out in 1995, so very late in the game for the Super NES. Um, Nobody knows exactly why it didn't come over here. Uh, Just like with Earthbound. You think they're going like... Just well, like with what Earthbound, it's yeah. like this weird thing where people obviously loved Secret of Mana and want yeah. to see the sequel. It's only got a two-player co-op mode, but all of that is um, playable on the Switch, so you can hand your controller to somebody else, play play two-player, an entire story-driven RPG together with a friend. That's awesome. Do you think they're just sitting on Mother, just going like, we, we could do I it? I don't give I, us that hope. I have no <laughs> yeah, explanation for it. Just wander it. Is, it is one of Nintendo's biggest mysteries they have the resources. It would sell really well on the eShop, and they're just not doing it. And it has to be something with some ugly breakup with Shigesato Itoi, the game designer. Who knows what's going on Doesn't there? Curse. But it's, it is so confounding. It makes no sense because the characters are in Smash Brothers. It's There's so an ancient weird. evil curse that kills whoever tries to tr- so, port it over. No. If you care about classic games, buy the buy the Mana Collection. Um, you know. Start with the second game. Like you can play them out of sequence. It's totally fine. Yeah, they're but not connected. Play them with story a friend at all, right? So which yeah. which ones? The first one is not co-op, and the other two are. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, the second one is three players. The last one is only two, even though it has a, a bigger party than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we didn't get to play it, but I did want to call attention to one game that I'm. We kind of knew was happening, but I'm just so happy to see that it's finally happening. No more heroes three. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's after, right. I forgot about that. After Travis uh, strikes back and like that hinted at the 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 third game, but like 
just seeing that come back to its glory and just like I'm so down for. I love yeah. that series and I love Travis as a character. He should be in Smash too. Man, you know that was a busy Nintendo conference yeah. and I just totally forgot. I know. That oh, no, we thing. Keep, I keep <laughs> like, forgetting all of this back. stuff was in the direct, yeah. right? And, and, and like there are more titles. Yeah, got like some. Astral Chain. Yes. Yeah. We haven't talked about that. That's really good. That trailer was just like an extended anime trailer and I am so into it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like um, how you explained this to Sam. Did you Astral Chain and Damon X Machina because they're they're similar and that one is in you're in a robot and the other one is that you're handcuffed to a robot. Yeah, <laughs> it's different. It's totally different. Inside and adjacent are two very different what, adverbs. No. Exactly. Damon but, X um, Machina was in the trailer too. And it looked, yeah. Did it look faster to everybody? It, no, it looked faster I, to me. Well, I think the original trailer also looked fast. It was just and the an action cut. It just didn't. Okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully but, um, they listened, but keep no, going. No, Astral Chain looks really cool. So, um, I read an interview with one of the developers and they their original concept was to make it they just wanted a gameplay where you were attached to another character. So they made it so you're attached to these things called legions, which were once demons. Sure. That's what it looked like. That mm-hmm. are then like tamed and then become <laughs> attached to you. And at fr- they said at first in the beginning of the game you act very separately and as you go on you develop closer and then start like acting as one. It's very anime. But um I'm I think it's really cool and it looks really interesting and I've never seen gameplay like that. Yeah. And I also did they didn't already they didn't always have the intention of having that wire that connects the two characters in action to do anything, but then they thought it would make sense mm-hmm. after they implemented it to make it more apparent where your other half was. It looks visually neat. Yeah. I like that. It looks yeah. really interesting and the storyline seems really cool. The, I don't know. And this, convoluted. The original announcement it. left me a little cold, but yeah. I, but this trailer actually the trailer like, was, I was like, awesome. I want to, yeah, I want to play this. Everything yeah. you're saying also totally makes sense. Where it's like, this is a game where they came up with a game mechanic, and then they were like, how can we make a story around yeah. that? Because yeah. the story feels a like it doesn't look bad. It looks yeah. cool, but it just looks so weird and wacky. <laughs> yeah. But I am so here for the mechanics. Like I really mm-hmm. like the idea of platinum just being like. We're just going to make a thing we want to make. Yeah. And it's just going to be fun first and don't worry about it. Like, they, that's really neat to me. They were also originally going to do um, a fantasy game, but then they said after they talked to Nintendo a while, they decided to go more cyberpunky because there are so many fantasy games out. Mm. There's like, no cyberpunk games at all. Oh, no, I know, right? But um, you, like, you, you, <laughs> you usually don't hear developers being that candid about yeah. kind of the process this early on, I feel mm-hmm. like. Yeah. yeah. And you play as a cop and it's more than just action adventure. You can pick up trash. I think you can go to the bathroom. Sold. Yeah, I don't know. What? Like, yeah, I don't. I don't know. That's just what I read. But <laughs> I'm excited to play it. Um, I also got to play Rune Factory for Special, which was originally a 3DS game. And man, that game is just so me. <laughs> I'm so excited for Rune Factory Five. So it's kind of so it's a dungeon crawler where you can tame monsters and bring them back to your farm and level them up and bring them out in your RPG party and it's an action game where you can change your equipment, change your magic, customize your character, mm-hmm. and then you're also um, having you you're also you also have a farm where you it's have also to grow Harvest things. Moon and it's also Harvest <laughs> well, Moon and Marvelous brought us the original yes. Harvest Moon, yeah. Okujo Monogatari, yeah. which is story of seasons now. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean. Obviously, some similarities yeah. there. And then you Harvest also moon, have you hunt monsters. Yeah. You like this? Yes. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you also have to um, manifest relationships with the townspeople. You can also date and uncover a lot of uh, backstories of all the characters by dating them. And then you are also mistaken, or like they, the townspeople, you have amnesia, and this is a, a staple of the Rune Factory mm. series. No. I know. <laughs> um, and you are acting as the prince or princess 
of this town and then you have to do give orders to like you give an order to like hold a harvest festival or something like Ooh, that. You like, like manage a town. And uh, amnesia, yeah. for some reason you're like Sherpa, <laughs> the person who's telling you how to get by and what to do as a dragon. So Cool. You know. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I like how you buried the dragon until I mean, the last that was month. just So you're all in. No, yeah, one hundred percent. And okay. I mean it, it was originally a three D S game, so it doesn't look that great. And it's also a there are some animated scenes that are a little bit raunchier than I expected, but I'm just gonna totally overlook that and it's fine. All right. Yay anime. Yay anime. <laughs> Um, and very short, I wanted to mention Volt X by Gung Ho. It is a really cute game where you manage a mech with, so it was inspired by like Power Rangers where each person is managing one part of a mech. So you have one person in the helm managing defenses. You have one person in the arm managing like your missile mm-hmm. things. Mm. So you have three different characters inside of a mech and you put them into different rooms to do different things. So you put them into the arm to power up your like charge beam, and you put someone in your left leg because it just got attached and it needs to be repaired. So it's just <laughs> nice. like a time management game with little people who are all good at different things. And you get unlocked different mechs and stuff. Pretty I thought cool. it was cool. Nice. There, there was another really small game called The Witcher. Oh, yeah. yeah. The who? That too. That we didn't talk about that eh. much, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it happened. It, this is, this, it's it's crazy to me that we're going to get The Witcher three on the on the Switch to Dark take magic. with you. But we'll see. I, I mean, look, if you have access to another console, you're probably better off playing it in yeah. with with the fancy graphics because you know it it running in five forty p slash seven twenty p might not do the gorgeous visuals justice. We'll see when we get to actually play it. But you have to play that game. Somebody you from have C- to play it. You have to find a way to play that yeah. game. Yeah. Somebody from CD Projekt Red in an interview, I think, with VGC, I think, was uh, saying that they're still really proud of the way it looks. Yeah. They definitely had to tune it down and turn down foliage yeah, and that of course. sort of thing. But it's a modern open world yeah. RPG. But yeah. they're, they're apparently pretty happy with where they got it still, yeah. which is exciting. I think it's, it's similar to the Moral Combat situation where it's like it's not going to look great if you have other platforms to play yeah. it on, but it's still worth playing if you. This is the only platform you have. The fact that it exists is fantastic, yeah. regardless. Yeah. It's one of those games, I would have given it a 10. I love that game so much. <laughs> the stories they tell in the side quests are better than the stories that other games tell in their main quests. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's that good. It takes a while to get your feel for it because the comment doesn't feel as snappy as like a like a Zelda or something like that. It is, but, a, it is a dance. But but you when you start to build your powers, then it will click, and, and it's just the stories. Everything's so cool. That world is so awesome. Also, a really quick hot tip for people who are going to be playing it for the first time on Switch, uh, get out of the first area of the game as fast as you possibly can because it's the most boring area. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. Like, it, it, you're going to want to do everything and see everything. Just, like, get yeah. to the next map. That is take, a really take good down tip. The, That's what yeah. I did. Take yeah. down the griffin and then leave. Yeah, okay. pretty much. Yeah. Daughter tip, user guide. Yeah. Oh, that's you. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of segues into our next topic. So The Witcher 3 was made for the not the Switch. <laughs> so we kind of expect the the graphics to be downgraded and not be as good as they were on the PS4, or Xbox One, or wherever, mm-hmm. PC, or wherever else you played it. But do we give the same leeway to games by Nintendo for <laughs> Nintendo? Because so Brendan brought something to my attention. <laughs> Um, people are comparing trees from the Pokemon Sword and Shield treehouse demo to Breath of the Wild trees, and 
when I first saw it, I thought it was an Ocarina of Time tree. And you wouldn't be the only one. (laughs) Um, So there are a lot of different caveats, but of course, this was not playable. This was just what they showed in Treehouse. Mm -hmm. So is it a placeholder? Is it going to get better? So (laughs) it will not get better. Yeah, it won't. It won't get better. That's that's the tree. But it's not. It's not. The Switch's fault here. Yeah. Like, look, there is a limitation to what you can do on the Switch. Mm-hmm. And as developers become more and more familiar with the Switch, um, games will look better. Luigi's Mansion is a great example of that, by the way. Yes. Like, some of the areas look freaking awesome. Looks really good. And the next Zelda game will probably look a lot better than the last Breath of You're the right. Wild, even if it reuses the engine. Game Freak is not a graphical powerhouse. The makers of Pokemon been. have never made a game that is on par with something that Nintendo's internal teams have done with that same perspective, the the similar graphics engine. Compare Link to the Past to the Pokemon 2D games. Like Link to the Past, like sometimes a, a game that's 10 years after Link to the Past still didn't look as good coming from Game Freak. And like, that's not to insult this company. They make wonderful games. They're very deep RPGs, um, but they're not they're not graphic graphically strong. Right? And like a Retro Studios Metroid Prime looked way, way better than other games from people releasing at the same time on the GameCube. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, it really yeah. depends who you have on your team. Like, people think they're like, oh, they'll just grab graphics guy from Zelda and put him on Pokemon. Yeah. That's not how that yeah. works. Yep. It's also uh, a, potentially a little bit, uh, you get lulled into that with Game Freak because their character designs are so phenomenal, right? Like, yep. there, are, there are parts of what. Pokemon does well that are very attractive, but you're right that it's not just raw graphics. Yeah. It's it's specific charm. things. It's charm. Yeah, they're yeah. really good at that part of making games look good, but not as much the like making it look like Breath of the Wild, which is also, by the way, comparing any game to one of the most beautiful games on the Switch is like a high bar right it, away. It's And they obviously spent a long time on it. Like It feels like it was yesterday that somebody showed us a a shot of a Pokemon company exec saying, yes, we are going to make a Pokemon for the Switch, and suddenly here we are playing it, and yeah. it's less than two years that it's I, out, I right? still sympathize with yeah. everyone who just, like, they wanted their first true 3D console yeah. Pokemon experience to be a Breath of the Wild experience. Well, and, and when you move to the console, you expect more, right? If they're going to be doing this, if they're going to be making their games kind of higher quality, more 3D, more freedom with the camera, then there's an expectation that comes along with that. Yeah. But it takes also, so that that's kind of like, there's the stuff that you see and then the, there's the stuff that's under the hood, right? Mm-hmm. What is the system calculating? Some games have really awesome AI. Not to say that this game has that, but like <laughs> some games have really great AI and that takes a lot of computational power in the background to make the enemies behave in a certain way. And sometimes that takes away from, you know, the uh, the computing power you have left for the graphics rendering and all of that. And so they're trade-offs. F-Zero X famously said, you know, the designer said, we want to push all these cars on screen. We don't want to just have seven enemies. We want to have, like, I forgot what it was, like 30 or something, right? Like, And so they made everything much simpler and ran the game at 60 frames per second. That was a design choice. And, like, with Pokemon Company, they're going for something that isn't quite as detailed. Um they do potentially I, have more moving creatures on the screen the, at a yes. time than Breath of the Wild. Did. Right. I do wonder too, and and this is not saying that that tree does not look kind of jank because it does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do wonder how much of it is people getting caught up in a single kind of out of context image because when we they first showed that wild area. Mm-hmm. I my gut reaction was not this is an ugly looking game. No, it looked, it right? looked fine. Yeah. Yeah. In the same way that when you 
take a picture of the boat people in Spider Marvel Spider Man on PS4, yeah. it like you look at the faces on the people on the street <laughs> in that game, and it looks like a terrible game. But yeah. you zoom out and you look at the hole, and it's not that bad. And that's not again, that's not to forgive this tree. It's just that looking at it as a whole, you're probably not going to be like, oh man, this is ugly. Yeah, we're missing. People are missing the forest for the trees, right? <laughs> I, a single I like, yeah, literally. tree. Like, I mean, gr- graphically, for, for a game that is not an action game, that requires quick input and has lots of enemies with complex AI, it's a very simple-looking game. It is, 100%. There's, there's no way around that, right? Yeah. And so that is, uh, again, like... They, they are they are not a company that is going to tinker endlessly over a graphics engine get it all right but i think the art style is good yeah. it looks nice like when i saw when i saw the game running i'm like oh this is actually a step forward cynically i was expecting less i thought huh. they would still have a tilted down camera and not show us as much of the of world because of the you know because of that factor yeah i do want to see how they handle um just like the pokemon and the in these zones like Will there be just like pop-ins yep. as you get closer? Mm-hmm. Will you be able to see all of them in the far distance? Like, I do want to see how that actually translates. Yeah. How many Pokemon can they put on the screen at once? Yeah. Yep. Definitely want to see that. And that brings us to another controversy a little bit. We did touch upon this slightly last week, but it's still a really big topic, and that is that Pokemon Sword and Shield will lack a national dex. And what that means is that you will not be able to transfer all of your Pokemon from previous generations into this game. Like, for example... Um, in Alola, the Alola de- regional decks had 301 Pokemon, and the Kalos regional decks had 457. So, and that is not more than 800, which is the total num- number of Pokemon. Um, people are mad that they won't be able to have their legacy mm-hmm. Pokemon over, but should we be getting... Is it really that big of a deal, I guess is what I'm asking. I think that's a bigger deal. Bigger, yeah. Is it big, a bigger deal than the tree? I think it's a bigger deal. Than <laughs> it the is. Tree. By the way, I don't mind. I think the discussions around the tree are fine. Like, yeah. get, you know, people who buy games should have a say and should be able to say, "Hey, why does this game not look as good as another one?" I think mm-hmm. that those are valuable discussions to have. And I yeah. think yeah. a game publisher sees that and goes, "Well, maybe we need to assist our second party a bit more on the graphics side or with engine programming." Mm-hmm. Like so, what you said earlier about is expectations is being yeah. the first console game. You expect to have all your favorites that you've ever known be right there on the Switch and to say, no, sorry, mm-hmm. it, it is kind of a, a gut punch. It's understandable, yeah. It is, but I, I think they, they should have tried harder or at least they should show a path forward for when they get added. It's like when you buy a new racing game uh, on, a, on a new console, they need to create new car models and usually companies will outsource the car models to third parties so the core development team doesn't have to do all that work. But we usually get you know, car games at the start of a new generation with fewer cars than the ones mm-hmm. ending the last generation, right? And I think we're seeing that here. I especially, that, oh, sorry. Uh, especially like two weeks prior, we just got the Pokemon Bank announcement that like, yeah, the oh, Pokemon Home. Pokemon yeah. Home. You'll yeah. be able to transfer all your Pokemon. Oh, wait, did we say all? I meant uh-huh. most. Well, they all can go to Pokemon Home, but yeah, they, they can't, just can't come out. leave home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I feel, like, I feel like this is their... This is their DLC strategy, yeah. and it's just I, I would announce it now and say yeah. like, yeah. and six months in, you'll be able to do this, and I think it'll just get give Pokemon fans, you know, the confidence. That's what I was gonna say too. Is I really, uh, I really wish that they had come out with a plan as well. Yeah. They said it's not gonna be a national dex right away, but every. X amount of months, maybe we're going to add this amount of Pokemon or something like that. Yeah. I, we don't know that that's yep. what they're doing yet, but uh, that would have been appreciated. But we do, and and this maybe segues into what you're going to talk about or mention is like I don't 
we don't know how big the national decks for Galar is going to be, right? Yeah. Like it could be that they're saying, hey, we're not doing a global decks, but this decks is actually pretty dang yeah. big. Like if we get mm-hmm. 600 out of 890 or how many, that might be. be optimistic. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> four. So X and Y had 450. Huh. So I think we can have, we will have at least 450 Pokemon in this. Do you hear okay, that Pokemon right? company? Is Casey Are we going to do a point where there's 50? That's what I want. <laughs> Are there just too many Pokemon? I'm gonna say there, it. there yes, are a lot. There are, are can we, kind of. I can mean, we just have a Thanos snap and just give it a half Pokemon? No, I'm sorry, but no. like, if this, I, if this is like exponential, it's like you know, a if the wizard asked you which Pokemon no, would you like, like to a snap away? Party, party every year. Uh-huh. It's like I only got 20 presents last year. I want 25 this year. Just like okay, at some point you got to snap them away. You got to snap them away. I, I, look, I I sympathize with this development. It get, it's getting more and more complicated. Yeah. yeah. And they said that too. They said this was inevitable. We knew it was yeah. going to happen eventually. And, yeah. and bringing over Pokemon from I don't know Fire Red and Leaf Green, you can have Pokemon with moves that they're not supposed to have. Like I know, right. like yeah. I know, I have a Blissey with a move that like it's impossible to get now in current gens, and I have like a Charizard with a move that you can't get anymore either. And like, how are they supposed to deal with that? They will have the coding. generic animation of them going. Well, they, they just move sideways and it's like a little <laughs> well, spark Well, as we've star. seen, that's already how it yeah. works. Yeah. Like, they showed a score bunny using double kick and it's that same like just foot. <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah, like like you're saying, like they're back in the day with like, you know, leaf green or whatever. They yeah. didn't say like, oh, eventually we'll have these guys on the switch 20 years later. Like yeah, no one was no. thinking that far yeah. ahead. So like I as much friend. as I, yes, as much as I want to be able to transfer all my Pokemon from the very beginning of time to here, like that, there's a lot of like legacy coding and like problems that can arrive and uh, I thought what was funny that happened on Twitter recently is uh, someone was talking about well, why don't they just you know how hard can it be just you know render the Pokemon in five minutes and bring them over and so this started a Japanese hashtag of like Pokemon renders in five minutes and people started going into like Blender and just making one in five minutes and showing the result like there's your Pokemon and it's like really <laughs> They're, 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 all they're the best. The best kind I'll, of I'll post, I'll paste the hashtag in the comments in the YouTube video if you but, guys want to check But that that's, out. I mean, look, game development got more complicated, and there are companies that can handle that for you. There will be, eventually we'll get to a visual fidelity where I don't think companies have to reiterate, uh, have to iterate on the the, pol- the polygonal models all the time. I mm-hmm. think there'll just be this, this, you know, great library of stuff you can buy, and I'm sure they have lots of external companies already working on 3D models for all the Pokemon. So yeah. just keep keep at it. Keep working. Yeah. yeah. Bring in Maybe more we'll help. Bring in friends. Now, on to some news. Some oh, yeah. very, very small. So uh, yeah. small, like the Switch Mini. Um, <laughs> so there was a, um, a supposed Switch Mini leak, leak from Hansen, which is an online retailer that yeah. is known to sell kind of bootleg things <laughs> as was being explained to me and they put up listings for switch mini cases and um, screen screen protectors and things like that. But as Tom pointed out, they look like mock-ups made by a fan like a Don't, couple of years ago. Yeah, it's almost the exact same image as a, a mock-up for the Nintendo Switch Mini that was made in 2017. With the uh, little screenshot superimposed on the screen. With the screenshot yeah. superimposed. raised. Yeah. Um, the, the second you caveat that this is done by a bootleg seller i'm just yeah. like my doubt meter is raising i i would say basically that my my 
I researched this as much as I could. I sent an email to Hansan. Nintendo said they had nothing to announce in response to this. Yeah. Um, but I think that the the best, the easiest takeaway from this is probably there's still a Switch Mini of some kind coming. We don't know. We've yeah. just heard so many rumors about it that it can't not be at this point. Yeah. Is a safe bet. But probably this is Hansan speculatively making something for that that they don't actually know about, and these aren't real products. So what, Search listing. Play. No, right. No, I think it's more about talking to retailers overseas and saying, hey, when this thing arrives, we're ready, right? right. We will make something. Because it's not that hard for them to crank out that shell. They just need one unit or the measurements for one unit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you they can't can go. Even- there, there is, I mean, what, what the kernel of truth might be is that I think the people in manufacturing in China are probably tight with each other. And if somebody's working on something, yeah. um, you know, and Nintendo recently moved some of the manufacturing out of China into Southeast Asia too, maybe maybe there are some loose lips who are talking about things that they're building and t- uh, somebody told someone, hey, this is the shape of the thing. Yeah. Who knows? I think like, that's possible. Yeah. I think that this should not be taken as an indication of this is what the Switch Mini looks like because it is almost <laughs> certainly a fake render mock-up that the totally. company made. But it looked like the way I would have expected. Yeah. <laughs> it it's, a, it's really good. It like that. Yeah. When somebody says a cheaper version of the Switch, it means with built-in controllers and a D-pad on it and smaller, and that's what it would look like. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I, what I would have pegged it as. So we've also come under the news that Retro Studios is looking for an art director for Metroid Prime 4. Guys, what does this mean? Means uh, means Metroid I got Prime a resume 4. to send. <laughs> 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 means Metroid Prime 4 is probably at least three years away. Is my so bet. you think because the job description said somebody who who guides like oversees the overall art direction? For Even the title? said it said somebody who Defined will set it? the artistic mm. vision of Metroid Prime Four. But which that implies be... to me that they literally found out they were doing this when Nintendo announced it, and they had no idea. And it's just <laughs> like, or they didn't like their previous art director. Yeah, this Maybe. could be an incoming person taking over and setting the new vision, picking up where someone else left off, Regar- and going. Now you're in charge of sending. Uh, that, that could be too. I just think it is very far away. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of that. It, I think the game is far away. I, I don't. I don't think that this indicator is as strong because yes. If if somebody left in a position at IGN, we'd probably use that job description again. Yeah, oh, that yeah. might be it. <laughs> that might be thinking. the job description for the art director. And like, there, this is what you're working on. That person leaves, and they need to bring in somebody else with that. Because um, that's also like you're I, going forward. I'm, that's still your job. I'm saying this because I'm hoping it's true. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to wait that long for a Metroid game. And like, sorry, retro folks, but. We haven't seen anything from you guys in a long time. Mm-hmm. And, so you know, like I'm, we only I'm say sure that because we want to. No, I'm sure. I'm sure Retro has a cool game that they worked on over the last years that they're they're aching to show off mm-hmm. to the public as well. And maybe Nintendo is hedging its bets and saying, "Hold, hold back. We've got plenty. We don't need it right now." Right? Mm-hmm. Like that might be what's happening. Um, so hopefully they are done with that and they're working really hard on Metroid. Yeah. Looking back at past E3s. Do you still think having the logo announcement was the right call? I think at the time, probably. Yeah. They probably didn't Compared expect to, it to go bad like this. This E3 of, hey, so, not just a Breath of the Wild logo, we're making a sequel, here's a trailer. So they obviously made a bad... For that. They made a bad call in cho- what whatever developer they chose, whatever went wrong there... There was that was obviously not great to come out and say we're restarting development on something that they announced. 
that I mean that was a tough move for them to do, and I think it was courageous and great that they did that. Yeah, I I, I don't mind the we're working on this. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody if Nintendo announced and said yes, Advance Wars, we're working on it, I'd be super happy. I mm-hmm. want to know that, and I think people who haven't bought the Switch yet want to know what franchises will be arriving on it and whether they should be buying it. I mean, the announcement of Scalebound had me buy an Xbox One X. <laughs> you are so. the only Sorry. person in the world who says that. <laughs> Yes. But I'm said, still happier sometimes, I think, to see that instead of just say, hey, guys, we're working on Breath of the Wild sequel, it's, hey, guys, look at this trailer for something that, oh, that, for that sure. we're working on. But I think they literally just started on that game, yeah. and they, they probably felt their presentation was light. It was missing a game for core, core gamers, and I, I do think Nintendo should be concerned about core gamers, make sure that, you know... People are buying the Nintendo Switch for big games like Breath of the Wild and mm-hmm. Metroid and all of that. And so I don't mind that. I, yeah. I don't think it was a mistake in hindsight. Obviously, they picked the wrong dev. Mm-hmm. And, but looks like you know, the world is writing itself. You know, there's some really smart and talented people at Retro. Mm-hmm. And you know, Metroid's coming home. Yeah. So, for those of you who already own a Nintendo Switch, uh, you've that's heard it. Us. Yeah, that's us. Uh, you heard it here first. We found the best Nintendo Switch stand <laughs> that we have ever used. Where is Tom. it? I'm geeking out about this. Please I wanna demonstrate. Just... Tom, just... did you bring it? Yes. I just want to ramble for like two <laughs> seconds real quick. All right. Uh, One. I'm kidding. All right. All right. <laughs> there's, this, uh, there's this Bluetooth headset adapter for the Switch that's just plugged into the USB-C at the bottom and has a pass-through so you can still charge it. Made by Genki. I'm holding it in my hand if you're watching the video. Uh, that thing is like 50 bucks. I haven't been able to test that yet. Genki gave this to us actually during E3. But the cool thing is you can spend 20 more dollars and get this thing that's a combo pack that looks like a Switch case, like a game case. Mm-hmm. And when you open it up, it has the adapter, a little boom mic that plugs into the headphone port of the Switch, uh, space for four games, and then a USB for the docked mode, and then this thing, which I could only find in the $70 pack and is probably the best Switch stand I have used. For those of you who are listening on... But, it's, Tom, it's so tiny. It looks like Switch a teeny blade. tiny little like switchblade almost. Wait for it. But it, Open it up. It folds out into a tripod. It's an easel. Yeah, it's like an easel pretty yeah, much. Yeah, it does. And it... it has these little rubber feet so it doesn't slide at all. I tried it on the train and it did not move oh, at all. It's actually pretty heavy. It's hefty, like it's nice so hefty, it doesn't get yeah. knocked around. And because it's an easel that doesn't slip, you can actually adjust the angle of it really, really easily and really, really well. And then you can also still charge it because it's lifted off the, the bottom of the easel so you can still charge it while you're using it. Anyway, I think it's only available through this Genki collection pack. If anybody has knows where to buy one not in that, send me a link and I'll shout it out next week. But it is like, it's just such a cool so, Stand. I made, or, I made hey, fun Genki, of you for being this for excited. He, he, I, guys, he was so excited it's about this stand. Cool stand. He came to everybody's desk and he whips out his little pen out of his pocket. It, you know, it fits his, in his most cases. Bow tie spinning. He's so excited. <laughs> I think he was hovering a little bit, and we, we all laughed a little bit. But but looking at it, it's actually really good. I it's leave really my stand, stand at home when I travel because they're just too bulky. Yeah, and this one and will fit this in will, basically any. Switch this case. will fit in a, bit, a switch case next to the system. It's yeah. so tiny. It's really good. Perfect for planes. It's yep, really yeah. good for planes. I've been using it on the train. It's yeah, I just wanted to shout out Genki cuz they they gave this to us just kind of like as on a whim at E3 and uh, I haven't tried the Bluetooth headset it comes with yet or the Bluetooth adapter it comes with yet, but the stand itself is probably the best switch stand I've ever used. That's really good. I want one. Cool. I want one too. You That's hear all. that Genki? We we want those things. <laughs> so hey, um, games out this week. Um, there were three of note. There's a Catan, which is like the board game, the sellers of Catan. I hope to. This comes out on June 20th, 
I hope to play this before next week because I really love that board game. I know. I was just going to say I couldn't tell if you loved it or you were scoffing at. No, I really, really like this game, and I really wanted to play it on the Switch. You have NBC plays Catan. Yes, let's do that. One of the all-time classic board games. Yes, my people love it. It is in Germany. Really good. It is a great game. If you have, it'll make you guys hate each other at the end of your two-hour run. That's like the goal of every board game. I think you gotta hate each other at the end. There's also My Friend Pedro, which also comes out on the 20th. It's and on sale right now for $16.99. And I think it'll be up by the time, but Mitchell Mitchell's reviewing it, and he it's, likes it. The review okay, is cool. embargoed for the 20th, yeah. so it'll okay. go up then. Uh, I have it preloaded on my Switch. I can't get into it yet, but it's uh, there are a couple of videos on IGN. Just look up uh, My Friend Pedro, uh, IGN Gameplay. It's it's hilarious. It's bonkers. Just this, it's this cool. It's a side scroller where you flip and you have a lot of kind of Matrix style slowdown modes where it's it's just crazy gunplay in this kind of whimsical two D world. Um, I think this will be very 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 fun. Yeah. And then lastly, there's Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, which we got to play a little bit with Janet Garcia, and she is reviewing that game. So that review should be played on soon. Switch or the. We did not play it on Switch. It does look a lot better on the other platforms. <laughs> well. <laughs> 60 versus 30 frames that yeah. Kind of, yeah it makes it it makes a difference for racing games it is. so it's one of those if you only have access to the switch i think this will be a really good game i think this may be the second best kart racer to mario kart it is significantly more difficult than mario kart yeah. I'll it's just technical say. It's, it's much yeah. more about racing and less yeah. random about items and yeah. stuff yeah mm-hmm. you cannot rely on a bullet bill to get you back to the mm-hmm. start if you get to the last place in the very beginning Damn. uh chances are are slim that you're going to make it back up there I mean, it's Ironic that Mario, Crash, and Sonic basically rule the kind of kart racing world. What about Shrek? The mascots. Shrek does not. What about Garfield Kart? Garfield does not. I think the only one who comes close were like the crazy racers from Konami, so Goemon maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. (laughs) I've heard good things about Garfield Kart, and I'm joking, and it's actually terrible. Don't play it. Even Mod Nation. Like, I feel like there's Mario Kart, and then there's nothing, and then there's Crash and, and Sonic Team. Yeah. So, hey, so those games are out this week, but what are you guys playing now? Cadence. Cadence of Hyrule. Mm-hmm. We that's right. That was out. Thanks. That was out last week. Yeah, it came out during E3. Yeah. yeah. Not on their showcase like I thought it would, but during yeah. E3. Everybody's playing, Ca- uh, every, everybody's playing Cadence? Yeah. Everybody's yeah. Playing mm-hmm. A little bit. Uh, it's been fun to see the reactions about how, if you've played uh, Necrodancer before, mm-hmm. and you have very different reactions. If you've never played Necrodancer, this is a really tough game to get like mm-hmm. a hold on. But once you get a hold of it, it gets so much easier once it kind of clicks for you. And it assumes I'm, you've played Necrodancer. It, yeah. it kind of does, and I wish there was like it, it kind of pushed the fixed beat mode on you a little bit more. But it's like going like, hey, you're kind of screwing up. Do you want fixed beat mode? Like explaining what fixed beat mode did would be kind of a nicer because yeah. turns it, it's also, turn-based, basically. Yeah, but also yeah. fixed beat mode in co-op is incredibly difficult and yeah, I do imagine. not recommend. Oh, yeah, 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 no. Don't this do that. This is for single player mode only. This is actually a PSA if anybody's playing Cadence and is very frustrated. There is a way to turn off the rhythm where you can just basically play turn-based like Pear said and it is a really good way to learn the game at the very beginning if you're not used to Cadence. You'll understand the enemy patterns yeah. and how you yeah. damage them Without getting damaged yourself, basically, and it right? even yeah. even more than turn base, it's it's basically play at your speed. Yeah, where you can play as fast as you want. You can just run across the stage. Yeah. Everyone else will chase you, but you, once you kind of get it, you can adjust the speed and then like kind of try to mimic the beat of the music and then go back and mm-hmm. see how close you are to the actual beat. So I I had a hard time getting into it as well, mm-hmm. and some of it may be this weird uncanny valley problem where. 
you're used to a game that looks like Link to the Past, Link Between Worlds, what what have you, Four Swords, and then you play it and it's not, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's so different how you attack people. Some of the the verticalities change, like the way how you get up to second levels is yeah. different from the classic Zelda games. And so at first I found it frustrating. I kept on looking at something that looks like Zelda and going like, I just want to play it like a <laughs> Zelda. But but the music is so good. That kept me going. So nice. And then I, over time, as you described, like it just kind of click, clicked. As you upgrade your weapons, you don't die quite as much, and you understand the enemy patterns, it gets it gets much better. I fun. think it was a great idea for them to not have this to be totally randomized. Once you start your game, that version of Hyrule is locked. Yes. Yeah. When you die, you come back to the same world, the same screens, the same enemies. So you can actually train yourself against one area that's really difficult, yeah. and you can find the same chest to go, oh, I know the hover boots are like two squares up. I'm going to go get those again. And then once you get some items, they stay with you. Like having the spear was like a huge boon for me because I could poke enemies and it felt a lot safer to me. It's very smart design. Also, real talk, I just I love the way that the uh – the music pulls from every Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Like everything. There's, a, the there's, a, there's Wind Waker the, in it, everything. Yeah, the title Heights. screen is the opening screen for uh, Ocarina of Time. Yes, mm-hmm. Which right. did yeah. such a cool remix. Love. It was so good. Yeah, yeah. it hit me in the feels yeah, man, when that first came on. And then the dungeon is the, some of the dungeons have the overworld theme with like, like weird yeah. like voice samples. That's the, and, the shopkeeper. Yeah. That's from that's from yeah. Necrodancer 2. When you get close to the shopkeeper, yeah. you can hear him singing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what it and is. And the singing is so funny. Karuna the Desert music's really good. Yes. Too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's that it's if you're a Zelda fan, it's worth playing for the music alone. Yeah. And there there's more that you, like as you progress you'll get more and more tunes. Mm-hmm. Um but it, I I do think they would have been a way to do this, like start the game off as turn based. Yeah. yeah. Like with the slowed down stuff just for people to get it because the game does not do an amazing job at it's, onboarding I would you. Maybe it's, look up some tips and videos before. Which I'm, I'm working on right now. <laughs> Thanks, right. Brendan. It's really easy, and don't feel discouraged by this. It's really easy to leave your house, walk to the second screen, and just get bodied and have no idea what happened yeah. and just die over and over and over and over. Yeah, because it's randomized when you start that game. Like you could have the swamp or uh, lost woods right next to your starting screen which is a difficult area yeah and it's, you, it's very brutal mm-hmm. but it's like you know like even in the zelda franchise when you play a game like link's awakening when i first played it it felt different from link to the past too like you, it's much you have to use your shield mm-hmm. but link to the past you don't have to use your shield yeah. not really and Link's Awakening, it's crucial. You have to push spikes with it. You have to um, uh, push back on, on enemies with it. And I feel like this game is a little bit like that, where you just got to relearn some basic things. But then uh, there is a lot of puzzle design that's rooted There's in Zelda. There's even some, some puzzle design around how to defeat certain enemies that are positioned in interesting places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's cool. For sure. But I have to be honest, um, though I am enjoying Cadence by Rule, I downloaded it yesterday. And then I played Slay the Spire until midnight <laughs> before yeah. switching over. Yes! And wow, I really so Slay the Spire came out not last week but the week before. Yeah, and I forgot to mention it on games coming and out. And it, this it week. came out on PC in January. Um, uh, so, and it but, was on early access for about a year and a half before that. I yeah. would like to chime in with a disclaimer. Yes. Yeah. That game is published by Humble Bundle, oh, which you, you may not even forgot. know, uh, which is owned by our parent company. So, you know, they they didn't 
they don't give us any special consideration and we're not working from the same building, but I want to point that out. Yeah, yeah. Thank and you, we would be talking about this game no matter who was published. I didn't yep. even know <laughs> until so I looked it up to add some specs for the show today. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> That's kind of what that, that that ownership means is eventually, occasionally we have to be like, ah, oh, crap, we got to yeah. do a disclosure. Like, and that's Dan it. does this all the time. I'm like, hey, you know that's a humble game. He's like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, literally, it's two separate man, um, I am loving this game so much. It's great. And I just It's really good. I don't even know how to explain it. It's, Tom, you, you'll do a better it's job. A go dungeon, for it. It's a deck building dungeon crawler roguelike. So it's you go through a thing called the spire, you get deeper into the dungeon, enemies get harder, but you have a deck that starts out with very simple cards that are just attack or block pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then as you go, every time you beat an enemy, you're given a choice of three cards and you pick one to add to your deck. And you get stronger and better cards. You start getting cards that are combos where, like, you might get a card that's lots of cards that build up your block and then a card that does damage based on your block. Yeah. And Or you might have, like, cards for one of the characters that do a lot of poison damage and then you can have a card that spreads that poison to other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just so clever and so fun and so complex but also accessible. This game, when I reviewed it in January, I gave it a 9 uh, and it – it was this funny thing where it came out, I reviewed it, and then suddenly Brandon Tyrell and Dan Stapleton started playing it like a month later, and suddenly they, it was all they could talk about for a month, yeah. and now it's, it's out on Switch. Did you do. review it on Switch? All I want to do is play uh, this game. I didn't, we didn't do, we just up, we bumped up okay, the review, we did, but we didn't, we, didn't uh, we didn't do a specific review for it. I would say that there are occasional slowdowns I've noticed when you have a lot of cards on screen. Yeah. But I haven't noticed this. Yeah, and other people haven't noticed it as it's much. It's minor, yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the Switch version. It's uh, yeah, the touchscreen controls work really yep. well too. Actually, like it's it's a nice port. It. The um, the stuff I love are you know as you progress in this kind of spire and it's. Uh, I mean, a good if you play SteamWorld Quest and you like the kind of like the very simple card-based mechanics for the battles in there, it's like that without the walking around. You you basically hop from battle to battle, but what you do matters for future uh, for future battles. Like you can sometimes make choices whether to heal your party or get something mm-hmm. right or, or to upgrade a card. Yeah, or, or upgrade a card for good. So it 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 has that progression built into it. So it has a little bit more. It's not just battle after battle. Mm-hmm. It has progression. Yeah, it's a lot of um, decision-making and risk versus rewards. The whole game, yeah. And um, basically it starts out, they show you a a map, which you pick one of four starting points, and there is a um, flow chart that goes up to the boss. And so you can, like, pick, you can pre-plan your path, and there are battles along the way, there are merchants, there are campfires where you can heal or upgrade and then there are the elite monsters that are very difficult, but give you a really good rewards. Um, and One there's question missed, marks. You said earlier, um, yeah. So I mentioned it earlier that I beat a boss boss like at the end, mm-hmm. where I got to get a really cool, choose a really good relic, which are passive abilities that stick with you. So they are very powerful and very good. And I accidentally pressed a button to skip it. But if that happens to you, if that because well, they have that built in because some people like to challenge themselves by not picking up any new relics, not Mm. picking up new Mm. cards, not getting more items. And also, pro tip: it's a really good idea to skip cards eventually. Yeah, you don't want you don't want to overbloat your deck. There's some relics too. Like there's a relic that rolls the dice of whether your your cards are cheaper or more expensive, for yeah. example. So you, eye. Yeah, you could choose to skip that because that could be quite the curveball. Yeah. The Sneko Eye will mess yeah. you up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, man, I'm I'm really enjoying it. And there are three it's different so characters good. that yeah, you can really choose good. from that have three different types of decks to build. 
perfect I, perfect airplane game too. Oh yeah. yeah, and and this is a game that I played a ton of on PC and just sort of drifted off of, and now I find myself playing it basically every day. And nice. it's and it's, if you are incredibly indecisive, it works as a, a co op because you can play with someone next to you who can help you make decisions. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually a pretty good game for that. Yeah. Did you? Uh, we don't have. There's the, you're playing Bloodstained, not on the Switch, obviously. No, it's Bloodstained. not yeah. out yet. Yeah. Bloodstained Ritual yeah. of the Night comes out next week on Switch, but I did start playing it on PC. It's out. The PC version is out for backers or something, or uh, or it's, it's just prop, out. out proper yeah. now. Yeah. Okay, um, and it's fun. I'm liking it. It. I watched Damon play. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like Castlevania. It yeah. does. It is <laughs> Castlevania. Yeah. It is very Castlevania, and uh, I'm interested to see what the Switch port yeah, is like, same. and that jazz. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 we can talk about it maybe more next week. But I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it. I'm, I'm really on, but I'm enjoying. I'm it. holding out for the Switch version. I want to see it first um, before wait. I get it anywhere <laughs> else. Um, I'm playing. Uh, I'm playing Kittens of Hyrule. But the um, the other game I'm playing that's coming out, I think next week on the. I, I think it's out on the twentieth. Is that right? On the Nintendo Switch. Switch is Dandy Dungeon: Legend of Brave Yamada. I like that Great. title. Good name. Solid name. So I didn't know what to expect from this. Justin Davis, being a, a big fan of this game, uh, when it was released for for mobile before, um, it is, it's it's funny, it's clever, it's it's just, um, how do I describe it? It's basically imagine a game that looks like Earthbound, like graphic graphic style, um, but where uh, instead of an RPG quest where you explore the lands, like every challenge is self-encompassed in like a one-screen puzzle where you have to basically <laughs> draw a line. You can do this with a you know with a, a stick or with your finger. You draw a line for your character to go through a dungeon, beat monsters on the way, avoid traps, and then you set them loose. And sometimes like tiles collapse, and they have to get to the exit. And then. As they that start, really fun. as they start to make their way through these puzzles, they actually uh, sometimes they get damaged, and you can deploy an item to heal them, or you can like disable traps, and they level up like in an RPG, and they get new. Uh, the the knight gets new outfits. That's the actual core gameplay. Then there's the meta game about it around it, which is Mr. Yamada is a guy who worked at a, a software company who goes home after a long night of drinking with his friends, starts programming this game in his spare time, and it's like presented. He's in his room he always takes his clothes off except for his underpants because he likes to program what almost in the nude it is very strange and he looks a little bit like mario and then he hacks away at his computer is like duk, 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 duk. and then whatever he programs is what you get to play what so after the first after he doesn't show up for work because he's so enamored with this game his boss shows up with all these like uh men in black basically cronies his boss is a giant onion he's really mad and he fires him and so then Yamada goes to his computer and he programs the boss, which is, of course, his real-life boss. And he falls in love with a woman from the next-door apartment. She becomes the princess. And so all this, like, real-world stuff gets, like, integrated in his game. And new menu options appear. Like, he just keeps programming That's the game. Wild. And then there's a spy who comes in when he's asleep and he adds stuff to the game, too. So it's it's super clever. I love this so far. I want to see how complicated and complex it gets. But it's it's just... It will make you laugh out loud. It's so good. <laughs> I definitely want to play that. Yeah. So, hey, we're, I know we're going a little bit long, but question yeah. block? Question yeah? block. All right. Yeah, what do you got? It's time for question block. Um, from Tyler O'Sullivan from Maine. Uh, he says, insert obligatory love the show message here. With Breath of the Wild 2 appearing to use the same engine and map as the first, what do you think will or want to happen to make it new for exploration? Hyrule Castle Rising causes dungeons to appear across the map. A new continent appears for Link and Zelda to explore. Flooded Hyrule again. Sky Kingdom again. Thanks, and keep up the great work. 
What do you guys want from Breath of the Wild 2? Or what I, do you think will happen? I think it's clear the game is going to start you out in the same world. Something cataclysmic happens and they will change the map because I don't want to just explore the same map again and just find a couple of dungeons. I yeah. want it to feel different. So option one, it's before and like some of the things that are in ruins are actually not in ruins. That would be really cool. And mm -hmm. so you're going like, oh, I remember this village up there. Let me go check it out what it looks like. Oh, I remember this uh, this broken uh, temple. Let me check out the Temple of Time. That could be one. The other thing could be just like everything gets messed up and you actually go underground and find more stuff. What do you, I have, so Nintendo specifically did say sequel. Do you think they are actually mean it's sequential? Yeah, yeah. I think happens. so. I think yeah. so. Who knows? I have one weakness okay. and that is the dark world. I, that's what I was that's thinking what too. I was Give say. me a dark world. That's for gotta of the be wild. what it's but gonna because be because you can you can keep the same geography, but you can make all these additions and subtractions the way that Link to the Past worked, where there was mm -hmm. a giant pyramid where Hyrule Castle was instead of a lake. It was all filled with ice this time, yeah. or a swamp became a desert, or vice versa. So you could actually play on what's existing there without having to go like, oh, we need an entirely different map. That would be awesome because I don't want to go to the same island uh, that you know we discovered in the first game or the same labyrinth mm -hmm. and have it be the exact same layout. Yeah. I want it to be significantly different. Also, I don't need 900 more Koroks. No. Yeah, well, Please, there no. will be. I also, I, I think Dark World is at least what I want, but probably the direction they're going to go because it makes sense in Zelda. And also they said that, I think it was in an interview with Kotaku, they said they made a sequel because they had too many ideas for DLC. Yeah. And if, if you told me like, a DLC was Dark World, or they wanted to do a Dark World DLC for Breath of the Wild, that would make sense. Like, yeah. that would track in my head. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I want to see a Dark World. I think that would be a really do, do, great do, 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 way. Just bring back that music. Do, 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 that's all that's I really want to play in my head. I know that yeah. they don't have a lot of music in the overworld in Breath of the Wild, but if they just bring that, that that's all yeah. I want. Yeah. yeah. Just like a little That would be version. really cool. But, um, you know, like, just them saying sequel doesn't mean that you don't travel back in time, right? Like, yeah, think right. of that's Ocarina true. of Time games that's like true. that. A Wind Waker and a well, Majora's Mask, you fall through a weird exactly. portal thing and end up in. But that one shot we saw was the overworld yes. we know with the castle lifting off Ocarina of mm -hmm. Time style. Maybe? I want it to be in space. Zelda in space. That's no. my call. I don't yeah. want it. I don't want space. No, no Skyward the, uh, Sword, happy floating island. That one shot, you didn't see any Divine Beast in the background. That's right. There wasn't. And so it feels like those are done, mm -hmm. right? We've done those dungeons. They're having shawarma guess, somewhere. Guess. They're done with the story. I do want more traditional dungeons. dungeons. Yeah, yeah, me I too. More Hyrule castles. And I hope, I hope to heck that and Nintendo has heard that feedback. Right. <laughs> I, li I like how we all said Zelda is the same. We want something new. Then we got something new. We're like, we want the hook shot back to open the door. <laughs> well, fair enough. You Which is, I want hard pieces. Yeah. <laughs> Give me hard pieces. So uh, boomerang, hit the switches to open the door. Yeah. Last you question. I mean, that. I don't know. Hey, I don't I, know what I want. I want I'm all just that a too. Person. I love. I I love the finding a new item and that does something new in the mm -hmm. world. I I love that. Cadence I, Viral like does that. that. Yeah, that's so, right. There is that. Last question from uh, Sonny Vaughn. He says, if Nintendo should use the talents of the breathtaking Keanu Reeves in one of their franchises, which one should it be and why? Good and we're bringing this up because question. if you watched E3, he showed up on the stage of uh, another presentation. And he was breathtaking. And mm. he was in, he's in Cyberpunk. Sonny and John Wick Hex, our Scandinavian yeah. friend. Uh, that's a good question. So, WarioWare. Um, 
<laughs> I want him to be actually no changing my answer Waluigi wear I want him to play Waluigi <laughs> in a Waluigi sequel I just imagine Keanu with the Waluigi mustache <laughs> the nose I think that'd be really good I, I'm just thinking of the roles that Keanu plays they're they're not that Nintendo friendly like yeah. you know the Matrix like this this whole we don't really have cyberpunk kind of futuristic hard edge sci-fi like that That's in right. the Nintendo world it, he wouldn't fit though like and you know same with John Wick no, you put I, him I think in a Wario suit. is the one place. No, you man. Can no, I, no, I, have, like, I have another one. What but about you put you whoa. put Keanu in a, <laughs> in a suit, like in a Metroid type suit, have a meet Samus. They become romantically involved at the very end. Oh boy. It's Keanu. Is this your fan, fan fiction? Yeah, fan hey, fiction. I don't know what you're Casey talking about. Wrote this. <laughs> so I'll I'll start this off by saying that I I'm always wary of just shoving celebrities in things where yeah. they don't need to be. Whether that's like Disney movies, where it's just like, "Hey, look who's here!" It's someone as a hippo, um, <laughs> and also in games. Like, I hope that Keanu as Hyperpunk is like the role reflects him as a, as his talent, and not just like he's just being Keanu, but he's in Cyberpunk. Like, so if this were to happen, Nintendo property, I would want it to make sense for his character to just mesh into that world, which is why I'd probably go with. It would be cool to see him as an antagonist in an F Zero game. I was just gonna say F Zero could okay. be a good one too. If he was like Captain Falcon's new rival. Yeah, I like or your like idea a syndicate better. Boss, like a comic booky version of Keanu. Yeah, yeah, like an evil or John Wick. Yeah, with just like you know, I'm gonna just gun you down and stuff. Like that world, I think could reflect some grittier natures without yeah. going too crazy. Yeah, I want, I want one of the collectibles in Pikmin 4 to just be a DVD of The Matrix with his face on it. Okay, that will work too. It will it will fit in there. No, you're right. F Zero would be. A yeah, good that would be a great yeah. pick. That's a really great pick. I like yeah, it. Yeah, Brendan, you won. Thanks. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me for this extra long episode of NVC. Pear, where can we find you? Uh, on Twitter at under Pear IGN. Yeah. What about you, Tom? Uh, and Twitter at Tom R Marks. And Brendan. I'm on Twitter at Raga underscore Fraga. And I am Casey Freitas, and you can find me on Twitter at ShinyKCD. Thank you so much for watching NVC. You can watch us on YouTube or IGN.com every Thursday at 3 p.m., as well on any of your favorite podcasting platforms, also at 3 p.m. on Thursdays. Again, thank you so much for watching, and remember, this is the only place you can get the thing. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.